Good day, folks. My name is John. I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If, uh, if you are, um, we're going to jump right into it. Get right into it. Why waste time prattling on? I said thank you. Thank you for coming to listen. Anyways, the numbering uh, conventions here will be a little bit off. I, uh, I, I started off with another podcast last week, and I didn't release it, mostly because I didn't feel that it was uh, it was up to, up to snuff. I, it was kind of long. So if if these are if the numbers are a little off, that's why. And you'll have to forgive me for that. I guess one of the uh, privileges of uh, producing your own uh, producing your own content, you can say and do whatever you want and release whatever you want whenever you want. So the numbers might be a little bit off here, and uh, it's only my why. Why wouldn't I change it? Because it's just why not? This is the order in which I'm doing them. So I want to say thank you for indulging me, and I hope I am not too terribly confusing with uh, what's going on. I think this will be technically in sequence number six. However, in release, it would probably be number five. I think that's how it worked out. Uh, last time we spoke, last time I spoke, and hopefully you listened, we were talking about what if. What if life, what would life have been like had we not fallen? Now, again, this is going on some heavy metaphors if you are going to take the uh, the Garden of Eden narrative at its face value. Now, my wife, who is brilliant, who is wonderful, and who is far wiser than I am at times, pointed something out. She said, husband, you make some interesting thoughts, but what about, what about the curse? The curse? Oh, no, what have I done? Now, if death had already been in this world, in a sense, then what then was this curse that we're talking about? Okay. Now, I thought about this for a little bit, and I kind of saw what I did. I kind of I might have jumped the gun a little bit. Just a little bit. Now, bear with me. Because, again, we have to realize a few things. What is this Earth? What is this world? What is this galaxy existence universe for? And that is to point us on a trajectory towards the kingdom, towards God, to full 100% communion with God. Therefore, everything that exists that was made good, which is all of creation, is designed to envelop us, to point us towards that trajectory up to and including ourselves. I believe we live in kind of a, uh, I'm not going to use this phrase because it's been so overused, I believe we, uh, we, we live in a system, if you will. And all of this system is designed for one simple thing, to tell us, to teach us, to proclaim to us the glories of, of heaven and earth, uh, God's glory effectively. So I made the contention, what would happen, what would it have been like had we never sinned, had we never fallen, had we never disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden? They said something interesting. I believe that death, as it were, was inevitable. Now, how did Eve know what death was if there was no such thing as death? Well, I believe that she did know what death was effectively in a sense. I believe Adam and Eve both knew because they experienced a form of decay, as you will, with the trees and the plants and the bushes and perhaps even to the animals. And people say, well, blood was never spilled until, well, I'm not sure about that. Maybe in the animal kingdom blood had been spilled, but maybe up until that point humans had never spilt blood. Um, and so we asked these questions, what, how did Eve know what death was? God said you would surely die, of course, and, and then he cursed her. He said, 
from the from from the from well cursed Adam and Eve from the, from the dust of the earth you came to the dust you shall return. Now I said, what if death, arguably, was a natural, was a natural occurrence? What if that was the case? Now my wife points out, how can that be, if in fact God the the curse that that God uh, proclaimed on mankind? And I thought about that, and that's an interesting one. Now. How can this theology, how can this, how can this work? Well, I thought about that for a little bit. I thought about that for a lot of it, actually, because I don't want to spread falsehoods. And I was very careful, I hope I was careful enough to suggest and to say that this is just my own meanderings, my own speculative thought. I'm not trying to create orthodoxies. I'm not trying to create uh, new uh, denominations or anything like that. It was just meandering in frolicking through, the, through my mind and whatnot and sharing with you my thoughts. But I started to wonder something. What if, in fact, death was part of the metaphor of existence initially? However, death of the flesh, death of the physicality, did not necessarily affect Adam and Eve. Now, how can I say this up until up until the fall, of course? You know, I guess the term would be prelapsarian, of course, yeah, be before the fall. And I started to think about this. How can we make this work of what life would have been like had we not sinned? See, I still believe, I still, I still, still kind of adhere to this notion that the physical form has an end to itself. At some point or another, our bodies are, are, are just temporary vessels. And, and we actually know this. We actually can, we can extrapolate this for a little bit. Now, the question is this. Were we meant to go back into the ground or were we meant to do something else? Again, we are kind of, I think we can absolutely say for certain that we're kind of living in the alternative reality of what should have been. And that's an interesting way of looking at this. Because we are, we're oftentimes looking for alternative realities, but we are, in fact, living in the alternative reality of what should have been. And we chose this alternative reality. But here's the funny thing. We can look throughout Scripture, and I'm not going to get into a lot of the, uh, the traditions and whatnot, um, only because I'm not too terribly well-versed in them, and I, I do, I'm familiar with them, uh, but I'm not very well versed in them enough to comment on them. However, scripturally I can, because I am familiar with Scripture enough where I can make commentary on it. But here's the funny thing. We know for certain that there are at least two people, two people who did not taste death. Elijah and Enoch. And Enoch was no more, and then Elisha got uh, taken up into the clouds or something in that phrasing. And these are two men. We don't, we don't know what. We know that Elisha walked with God, for whatever that means. Elisha was in communion with God, and he was taken up. Interesting. And so we at least know that in this system, there are components, at least based on testimony, on historical testimony, that suggest that, that, that uh, testify to the notion that there is a form of ascension that is in place. That for, for, for people, uh, whatever this means, 
that there, there is a system that is in place that allows a, a man or maybe a woman, I can only say men because there's no, been no record of women in Scripture, who will ascend into heaven. Now, to, if, I, I like how Fulton Sheen put this in another, uh, in, an, in another broadcast many, many years ago. He said, it's not like they were rocket men who, who just shot up into the air. No, we're talking about something else. Something else about for those who are in communion with God, who are in full communion with God, is that the Eastern religions would call that transcendence. They would. We, where, where, you, where you kind of just apparate and just kind of dissipate upwards into the ether and you are just kind of, you are absorbed or you are brought up into the next level, to the, to the paragon, to the final level, which is full communion with God. That's interesting now when we think about that because Christians oftentimes reject that notion. And I can understand why because a lot of people will take that notion and think that they can just transcend or ascend into the next level on their own merit. You can't. Flat out can't. Nobody has the right to enter into the greater narrative. It is a gift and it is a privilege to do so. It's a gift and a privilege to do so. I cannot just walk into any mansion I want to without permission, without an invitation. Otherwise, I would be trespassing. It is profoundly arrogant for us to think that by, by we could just meditate our way into heaven. You, you can't do that. You need to have faith. Christ told us this. I am the life, the way, and the truth. I am the way into heaven. It is only through me that you can get to the Father. And that's interesting. We have to pay attention to that. Now, let's look at Christ for a second. See, I think it's fair to say that Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth, our Lord and Savior, God incarnate, is the paragon of what ought have been. He is the fullness and the whole of the Word of God. He is the metaphor made into life. He is the word made into flesh. And there's something very interesting about that that we can assert about him. One of which is that everything that Christ is, is what ought have been. It is not the alternative. It is the, re- it is the reality of what, ha- what ought have been. Humble, patient, loving, kind. Just sacrificing, living a life fully devoted towards God and the kingdom, showing us what we must do in order to get there, living his entire life as was intended, despite the fact that he was persecuted left and right by the very people whom he created because again Christ and God God is the Messiah he is the Savior isn't that the Christ consciousness whatever that nonsense means no he is the embodiment of God now people like to use phraseology oh he's 100% God 100% stop it how much God do you need to be to be God Does God deal in percentages? 
Does God deal in, you know, well, I am 100%. No, God deals in sufficiencies. God deals in necessities. God deals in what God deals with. I, I find it hard to believe that he would be sitting up there on his throne, wherever he is, in heaven assuredly, sitting there with a little checklist being like, okay, I need to come out with a mathematical equation to sit down how much God... No, he is. And he is certainly not. He is. He is not. Not, if that makes any sense. He is. And that is important to think about. So anyways, so if we can look at, if we can look at, uh, let, 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 me, let me clarify that a little bit. I think I just realized what I just did there for a minute. He is, and what I mean to say by he is, I mean to say that he is, I am. That is what he says. He is eternal. When I say he is not, kind of using that in the, the adverse uh, phrase, he, it is not that he is not. Of course he is, but what he is not is not. That's what I mean to say. So anyways, so anyways, so we can look at Christ and determine what he is, and he is the reality of what should have been. Sure, his life was cut short by man. He was beaten and bruised and broken and pierced for our transgressions. We did it. Humanity did it. Every time you have uh, disobeyed a command of God, doing the Father's will, any time you have not turned the other cheek, any time you have not been neighborly or cordial, any time you have sinned, you have effectively struck the nail into Christ's hand. People have made the argument, who crucified Jesus? Well, my answer to that is, I did. Because he came here on my behalf, much like he came here on your behalf. So if you have faith in Christ, you can be assured that you are the one who put him there out of necessity. And God deemed it necessary. And I'm not going to argue with God. I tried that. It doesn't work very well. But the funny thing is, is that death couldn't keep God down, of course. He defeated death. He came back. Well, so much for the Romans. So much for the Jews. Everybody was just like, we're going to kill this guy. So much for all the, the, the Gentiles the, who still want to sit down and crucify him, nonetheless. But he came back three days later. And everybody's like, what are you, wait, didn't we just, aren't you, aren't you supposed to be dead? No, of course not. Because this is the paragon of reality. This is what ought to be. The body is supposed to do this. It's supposed to die. He'll come back. Don't worry about it. He'll be resurrected. One way or the other. But let's look at what he did afterwards. After he carried out his ministry for a time and did many things. When all was said and done, he again showed everybody what was supposed to be. For he ascended into heaven, not like a rocket man, as Fulton Sheen said, as so many people think, to say that he just kind of flew off into the sky. No. No, I don't believe that, and I don't buy that. But I believe he showed, as his whole life was a testimony to what ought have been, he showed 
entirely what it means to be in full communion with God, what it means to walk with God. Now, he is God incarnate, and I'm not going to get into the temporal mechanics of how God is here and there at the same time. He is. We can talk about that later, maybe. And maybe I've already talked about that. I don't remember. But the point is, is that Christ himself showed us. He showed us what ought have been. That death, the physical body, okay, yes, you'll die. You'll come back. But the idea was, for our time here on earth, to walk in full communion with God, is that after a point... It is not death, the dust that we are to return, but instead it is to heaven we are to ascend to, to be in total and full communion with God, to join with the Father. And that is what I was referring to last time. What if we had never sinned? And I kind of made that mistake because I did not consider certain things. And I have to be careful when I open my mouth to consider all things as best as I can. What does it mean? What should have been? The end of our lives, when we say death, what does death look like? We say it is falling down and just not moving anymore. But death very well could have also too looked like an ascension. Therefore, what should have been? And what should have been is everything in the wholeness and fullness in the life of Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus Christ. And that is what I was referring to. That is what I was trying to say, and it took my wife, my partner, my beautiful queen to point this out, to help formulate this ideology, this theology, this philosophy, to actually think about what ought have been. The body is temporary. God made it so. And to walk in the fullness of God, to walk in communion with God, to walk as Elisha did, as Enoch did, as Christ did, as Adam and Eve ought have, as we all at ha- ought have, is to be after the Lord's heart, his will, his way. And what ought have been would not have been returning to the dust from which we came, but to ascend fully into heaven. And that is what I was trying to say. And maybe perhaps if the body had gotten damaged... Perhaps then it would have rested for three days and people may have known this and perhaps after three days they would have resurrected again to continue to walk until the time was right, until God had decreed it so to walk, to ascend into heaven as Christ had shown us. But again, this is idle speculation at best. But I do believe that we do live in the alternative. We do not live in the the real. We do not live in the what is, or, or excuse me, we do not live in what should have been. That we live in the negative reality. We live in the alternative reality as to what should have been. And we chose this life. We chose this for ourselves. Oh, but what little children? Well, what about them? No, no, actually... 
in a lot of cases, at some point or another, they too will choose. As all men and women choose. As we all choose. So, to pull this all together, going back to what if. What if, part two, I guess you could say. If Eve had never eaten the fruit, if Adam had not been standing there with her saying, okay, this seems like a great idea, what would life have been like? And I believe that, again, there would have been a physical end to this existence. But the question is, do we ascend into heaven, body and all? Or do we descend into the earth? in pain and turmoil. Either way, I believe that there is a life, that this physical life ends at some point. But I do believe that Eve knew of death, for otherwise she would not have been aware of what it meant to die. And the serpent effectively told a half-truth. You won't die. She didn't die right away. But her physical body did, eventually. And I do believe that at the time of ascension, it would have been joyous. Would have been a joyous time. Somebody has walked with the Lord, and this person has gone into the Lord's keep. They have ascended into the fullness and wholeness in total communion with the Lord. This is wonderful. Yes, we might miss this person, but we are overjoyed. And that is what I believe should have been. But today, when we see the alternative, it is terrible. It is. And today in our society, we prolong death. We try to cling on to life as hard as we can because we have no faith in anything. We pump our bodies full of drugs and medication, hook them up to machines, just so we can squeeze a few more minutes out of our existence, rather than having faith in going with the Lord. And we have come up with many terrible, terrible ways of ending our brothers and sisters in humanity's life. We want to make statements. How disgusting is that? I don't like this. I'm going to destroy you slowly. I will flay the skin off of your body. I will slowly cook you alive. I will cut you up piece by piece. I will hook you up to a machine to keep your heart beating and your eyes open and your brain aware. And I don't think that was the way. I don't think that's what ought have been. I think what ought have been was much more peaceful, much more in training, if you will. And yes, the serpent did lie, as I use the metaphor, the double-tongued, spoke out of both sides of his mouth. They might ask questions, did God lie to you? No, of course not. God didn't lie. God knew exactly what he was talking about, and he was being very honest. You will die. Now... Did Eve and Adam understand exactly what was meant by that? No. But then again, do children ever understand entirely what their parents mean when they first give them a command? Don't eat the cookie from the cookie jar. Why? You need to eat your dinner. You won't be hungry. 
Well, if I eat the cookie, of course I won't be hungry. What does it matter? Because the child does not understand what is the good food that nourishes them, that gives them strength, that fuels the body. Yes, a cookie will make them full. But is it good? Is it nourishing? It's a dessert, sure. But does the child understand? No, they say, if I eat the cookie, I will be full. But they will not be satisfied. And oftentimes, as parents, oftentimes parents have to give their children enough that they will understand. They have to give enough that their child will understand. And only through time, only through reason, only through instruction, only through experience will they eventually understand the wholeness and the reality in which they exist in. This is why we tell simple stories and fables to children, because they can wrap their, their, their heads around it. You cannot tell a child the, the fullness of giving birth, all that the body is doing, they wouldn't understand it. They'll understand it later eventually. But we tell simple stories. So no, God did not lie. God only gave exactly what he knew, Adam and Eve, enough for them to understand. It is the serpent who lied. It is the serpent who spoke in the half-truth, who exploited that understanding. God's command was simply, don't do this, you will die. And Eve and Adam, seeing life around them, life as it ought have been, life that taught the metaphor of birth, life, decay, and resurrection, they entered into an amplified narrative. They entered into the amplified world, where suddenly the earth did not work for them, but against them. And that is what the metaphor is. That is what the reality that we created for ourselves. That is the toil that we live in. That is not what ought have been before the earth should have worked for us. Nature should have worked for us. Life and existence should have been less complicated, less burdensome, less troublesome, less frustrating. But we live in that world, in that creation, where instead of ascending into heaven, naturally, peacefully, we choose the dust of the earth. Now, let's ask a question, a simple question. Is it possible that not all men and women will taste death? Are there people out there who walk in communion with God, who are after the Lord's heart, who will not taste death? Well, that's an interesting question now. That is an interesting question. I know for certain that there are at least two, technically three, but then again, Christ did, uh, he did die. So he tasted it. He defeated it. But Elisha and Enoch, well, they were not called to be sacrificial lambs. 
nor were they God. So the question is, what about today? Well, I don't have an answer for that one. As it is, Scripture is closed. We have enough to know what we need to know, which is a lot. But is it possible that a man or woman could walk with God, have faith in the Lord, to be in total communion with the Lord God, and not taste death in the same way that Elisha and Enoch did not? Hmm, That's an interesting one. I don't know. I do know this. If there were people out in this planet, on this world, I certainly will never hear of them because who would record such a thing? And how could it be anything more than hearsay? How could it be any more than, well, there are rumors of it, but it's certainly not scriptural. And I suppose anybody who did ascend in that particular way through faith in Christ, through walking with God in communion. I suppose that anybody who did probably would not have written about it either. But it does make one wonder, what does it mean to walk with God in that capacity? And maybe, maybe if we all strove for that truity, if we all strove for that communion, maybe that in and of itself, through faith, through repentance, through the wholeness and fullness of Christ, maybe that is entirely the message and the metaphor that he was trying to tell us. I don't know. A bit more of idle speculation for this day. But I hope I clarified my point, and I hope I clarified certain ideas. Hope I fleshed them out a little bit better, and I hope I do not lead anybody astray. Forgive me if I do. Uh, I will be happy to clarify more about what I mean. Sometimes I, I get excited about an idea, and sometimes I do not speak as clearly as I would like to. And I ask your forgiveness if I don't. And I am thankful that I have a wife who is willing to sit down and challenge her husband in kind and truth. Say, husband, be careful with what you say. Now, the funny thing is is that my wife does not necessarily subscribe to this theology. This ideology, I should say. She doesn't necessarily agree with it. She can see where I'm going with it. She doesn't necessarily agree. But it is a wonderful thing to sit down and think about what could have been. But let us not forget about what is. And what is, is that we have chosen the alternative. We have chosen to sin. We have chosen to do wrong. We have chosen to walk away from God. We have chosen to be the prodigal children. And we can choose Christ. But never mistake, never make the mistake to think otherwise, that it is indeed a gift. It is a privilege. It it is a grace that God himself came into this world through the back door, that he incarnated himself through Mary, the young virgin maiden, whom was already married to Joseph, 
that he lived amongst us to show us what ought have been, that he died on the cross for our sins, for we make them, and we ought strive not to do them, and we can because God has given us the ability to do so, and he would not demand the impossible of us, but through Christ all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let us not forget that. I cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven on my own steam, on my own fuel, but only through Christ. Through only having faith and doing the Father's will. They are one and the same. I do not deserve it, nor do you, nor does any man or woman deserve. They will not be measured by their works, but their works are evidence of their faith. And let us not forget these things, that we have an absolute need and necessity of Christ. And that it is not, do as thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Because who are we to make up the laws of God? We are not. God has already decreed the laws. He has already decreed in what we ought be and what we ought do. We only have the simple choice to follow, to listen, obey, or not follow, to close our ears and to disobey and to not have faith. And in that particular concept, in that particular reason, we can understand that indeed the earth will be our final resting place and there will be no ascension into the next world, into the next life, into full and total communion with God. I have been there, folks. I have been in the place where there is no water. I have been in the place where the only food on the table is cookies and candies and sodas. I have been there. And I can tell you this. Though my belly might be full, I am still hungry because there was no nourishment to be found there. No matter how much I drank, my mouth was still parched and dry. No matter how much I ate, my belly was not full. So I can tell you this, that the Lord has graced me with the privilege. He has graced me with the privilege of knowing and understanding what the other side is like. The fullness and the realities of the alternative. And I can tell you this from testimony. I want nothing to do with that alternative. Oh, it beckons me. It calls me. I hear it. I hear it. I know it well. But I also know, and I remember, what good bread, what clean water tastes like. And it is in that it is because of that that I will continue to bend my knee to Christ. To fall on my hands and my knees and grab him by the cloak and say, Father, please forgive me. I need you. I'm not letting go. Even if I can just grab on to the Father's ankles and say, drag me with you. Get me away from this. I will continue to do so. 
because I know as appealing as the other side is, as the alternative is, it is nothing compared to the truth. Nothing compared to what should be and what is be. Not here. Not here. But wherever the fullness and wholeness of God is, and he has told us where he is. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things shall be given unto you. Until next time, folks, I want to say thank you, and good day.